Welcome back to season two of The Art of Something. In this season, we're going to take a deeper dive into topics such as racism, autism and depression, but also how the individuals experiencing them are navigating them. I've had a wonderful time talking to the guests and I think you will really enjoy the conversations that I've had with them. A note to our listeners, this season was made before the UK government introduced new lockdown measures, so this series was produced in complete compliance with the new guidance. Before we begin, make sure you click subscribe in Apple Podcasts or Spotify and make sure you follow our Instagram page, the art of underscore something. Now, without further ado, let's go. The art of knowing you are special. I've known Billy for nearly five years now, first as one of his youth leaders and now as a peer. He's funny, passionate, with a clear love of life, but often misunderstood. I've had the privilege of seeing him grown from a misunderstood teenager to a young man with clear influence and authority. Fun little fact, this podcast would not have happened if it wasn't for Billy. When I was going through the shopping list of the things I need to make this happen, Billy was the audio expert I went to first. His wealth of knowledge in this field not, is not only extensive for his age, it is extensive, full stop. In this episode, we're going to explore his love for audio engineering, his experience with personal tragedy and going through the ups and downs of dealing with different social stigmas. It had a really big impact on me recording this with Billy, and I'm sure it will with you listening to it too. So sit tight. Hey, Billy. Hi, Tim. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining. Um, so um, for, I guess, let's get into it. Um, for people who don't know you, Billy, why don't you introduce yourself a little bit? I'm Billy. Um, Billy Plain. You don't know when it's looking, right? Why are you waving? <laughs> yeah, no, I know. <laughs> I'm so used to doing this in like a live environment that doing it on a podcast is very strange. Well, hopefully one day. Hey? Um, hopefully. I'm Billy Plain. I'm a sound engineer currently on a level three um, sound studio and live sound engineering course at Access Creative College at their Norwich campus in the second year. Um, I specialize in live and broadcast events, um, but I do also dabble as a studio engineer when I have the time to. Um, basically, anything audio related is something I love and is a huge passion of mine. And I try to get as much work in that sector as I can because it's something I love doing. Nice. Um, how old are you, Billy? I am 17. Yeah, so that sounds like a lot for a 17-year-old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. My, my parents would agree with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, for people who don't know, Billy actually helped me build this. Um, wow. I know you can't see this, but I, I was going through, I, I really want to do a podcast, and I was going through the stuff I needed. I have no idea what I was, I'm on about. And I basically built a list of the things I thought I needed, and I was I texted Billy one night, um, and um, I asked him, hey, look, do I need anything else? And he was like, no, this looks pretty good. And then I thought, hang on a minute. I wonder if I can spend less, <laughs> a lot less. I remember this. <laughs> yeah. And we basically, we, we trimmed basically everything that I had. Because I think what, we, we were looking at equipment that I probably didn't need. Um, to get technical, it was... The a pair of Audio Technica condenser microphones, yeah, um, which from memory about seventy seventy something pounds yeah. each, yeah, um, and then these ones, yeah, we um, they're twenty ish. So these are basic, 
So the microphones that you're hearing currently are yeah. Behringer's clones of the Shure SM58. Yeah. Well, the before they actually made the proper clone, but yeah. like the, their cheapest microphone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then like there's a um, interface. Again, I've no idea what each button does, but then it does something. <laughs> and Billy has been teaching me how to use it, but without it, again, we couldn't have make it happen. No. Um, well. Laptop microphones are good. Yeah, I'm sure. Like, but you know, you want to do it at least. Oh yeah. Well, of course. Re- within you know amateur status that you know that I am. Yeah. Um, yeah. You couldn't uh, steal some SM58s from somewhere. No, <laughs> probably not. I don't think it's a good idea. I don't want to break it. I know they're unbreakable, but I don't want to break it. I've used them as a hammer to nail in stage trust before. Yeah, don't do that, guys. Um, <laughs> I don't. I don't. If you, if you've, if anyone in the creative industry is listening and has ever and has done that, you will know what I'm talking about. And you've just handed it to a vocalist like nothing's wrong, and the event organizer has been fine. <laughs> Those things are tanks, but I guess if you're the Hulk, <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> Billy, do you remember how we met? It was through church, wasn't it? Yeah. So this was ages ago now. You're, I think you're one of the, the OG crew. One of when, the OG fearless crew. When um, Scott, uh, my friend Scott, he's in London now. Um, when Who? he started. Who's that? Yeah, exactly. Owen? Um, <laughs> the, the, the Chinese guy that went to Singapore. Um, yeah, definitely. But um, when Scott uh, basically um, was asked to look after all our youth, you're one of the the new youth that joined in because Scott was very actively trying to talk about it at um, the school that you were at at the moment, yeah. at the time. Um, and you became one of the key youths that we were trying to build this whole program on. Um, so we that was like five years ago-ish, let's say, four or five years ago. I think it was 2015 because I think it was the year I met someone who was quite influential through my high school life who yeah. I'm no longer friends with. Oh, um, <laughs> but yeah, that was like four or five years ago now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you know, you, you still help out in our church. Yeah. Um, you do a lot of, when we were, while we were in lockdown and we're still in lockdown ish yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, a lot of the recordings that we did of the songs we sung, you would help in mixing the audio for it. Yeah. Um, mixing and mastering. Um, it's something I learned more to do while I was in college. So mm. I kind of had a crash course for six months or so beforehand and then kind of lockdown hit and a bunch of people from church were trying to figure out the best way to do worship and I offered my services as a mixing and mastering engineer that I then used the skills that I learned in college that I never thought I would put to use and got to use them well so so soon anyway right oh yeah yeah Yeah. um it was pretty much a case of okay, this is a thing, what can I do to help? I want to be actively involved in trying to make this as good as we possibly can. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, for someone who's 17, of a lot of the 17-year-olds I've, I've, I've met, you've already dwelled into something so technical in a, you know, relatively advanced stage. Mm, I, would, I would say... I would have to agree with you, yeah. but at the same time, I would also say that I kind of, I f- it's 
kind of odd for me that I've moved down the path of sound engineering because I understood many of the technical principles from yeah. such a young age due to um, my family. For example, when I was growing up and even now, my dad has like a surround sound set up in the living room yeah. and um, I've worked with semi-pro equipment for mm. like family karaoke nights and stuff and I was always lumped with the audio equipment yeah. because I was the computer guy. Yeah. Um, I spent most of my primary school life and some of my high school life wanting to go into IT and computing. And then it kind of hit, it, I kind of hit a channing point when I was in church of all places, mm. when I shadowed one of our sound engineers uh, and kind of was like, I enjoy this and kind of kept working at it. And then it hit a point where I was really, really, really enjoying it. And now I kind of wanted to take this as a career path. Nice. Nice. What is it that um, sound mixing, I suppose, sound engineering, that really intrigues you, that makes you wake up in the morning and say, hey, look, I want to do some more of this? It's sort of the unknown of it. So I don't know the best way to describe it. The kind of... It's not more of a case of waking up in the morning and going, as a sound engineer, what I can do. It's, it's more of waking up in the morning and going, today is a new day. And even, even when you're sleeping, you hear things. Yeah. And I don't know. One of the weirdest phenomena I think I've personally experienced is ghost audio. Right. So you hear something like musical notes on the wind that are coming from seemingly nowhere. Sure. And birds chirping and wind rustling and the way that wind, when pushed through certain small gaps and stuff like whistling, for example, yeah, you hear a pitch, a resonance, and there's sound all around us. And since I started down the path of wanting to be a sound engineer, mm-hmm it kind of became, I don't know, it's kind of like a, I want to explore what the world's, what the world's noises are. Yeah. I want to figure out why these things happen, um, how to capture them, how to create the best from yeah. what the world has to offer in the audio space. Yeah. And um, for, I'm not really a fan of, location recording or anything like that right. i tend to specialize more in live gigs and band recording yeah. and that kind of thing yeah but just i wake up in the morning and go how can i capture this yeah how how can i capture what i'm hearing and represent it to the audience how can i so this is what i'm being given I want to get this out to my audience or to the audience for the artist or whoever I'm working with yeah. and for them to appreciate it. They, they don't necessarily have to enjoy it, but just have a subtle appreciation for what's going on. Yeah. And I have that for the content that I consume. Mm. I have that appreciation for say, listening to a Metallica album, the way that the guitars have the kind of grunt and biting distortion yeah um uh sometimes when i listen to music for example the same metallica songs that i listen to a lot the guitar tones can move me to tears because there's so much powerful energy behind that yeah 
and trying to capture that and convey that to another audience is what I do. It's well, what I, I love doing. It helps you because you know what you're listening to. Yeah. A lot of you know casuals like me, when we're listening to sounds, we don't even if we have the best equipment, we don't really know what we're listening to. We're just listening to the melody and the and the overall soundscape of it but it, you know you we don't know what details we're looking into as as a sound engineer i i know that not all sound engineers are like this but the way that i tend to think about things is the melody and the musical and things like that are good but i'm not listening for what the music is doing i'm listening for what is being captured yeah so um take Adele Rolling in the Deep, for example. Sure. You've got wonderful vocal. Um, you've got a wonderful vocal performance. You've got a wide range of instruments, a rather large soundstage. Mm-hmm. If you're listening on the right equipment, of course. But I don't listen for Adele's vocal range. I listen for her equipment. Like yeah. what what microphone was being recorded, was being used to record this. How mm. did it affect her voice? What kind of performance am I achieving here? Yeah. Um, or with the acoustic guitars that chug in the intro, for example, I'm yeah. not listening to what the notes of the chug is. I'm listening to, huh, that's got some information to it. That's got some dum 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 dum. That's got some thump behind it, yeah. which can only be achieved through transient controllers yeah. like and dynamic control, like yeah. compression. How yeah. is that being performed? Yeah, so for just to paint you a little picture, for guys, people who don't know Billy, we spent about 40 minutes before we start recording this, um, and we were just, he, but well, I say we, it's mostly Billy, um, playing <laughs> around with um, the settings we have in the recording software that we have, the hardware that we have, and he, he was just having a time, time of his life. Um, so yeah, that's a little picture um, of Billy, if you don't know Billy. It's um, been a while since I've got to record some stuff. So, okay, dream gig. Say, you know, you, you're semi-professional, you know what you're doing. If, you know, Jesus came down on earth and said, hey, look, before we all go, you can record the one gig. What is it? Who is it? I wouldn't pick, I wouldn't pick a gig to record. I would pick a gig to sound engineer at a oh. live, as a live environment. Yeah. And it would be a gig that I attended in 2015 um, here in Norwich. And that would be the... Um, specifically Foo Fighters performing at Radio 1's Big Weekend in 2015 because there's, for example, in the performance there, I've listened back to kind of like the the broadcast performance that they had, but it sounded nothing like it did through the PA. And the feeling of being... uh, This was around the time that I first started being interested in the sound engineering as well. And I would love to go back and sound engineer that gig because not that I could do it better than the engineer, but I'd love to work with the Foo Fighters yeah. because I've been on a quit board and other various equipment sites are available. <laughs> Got to keep it advertising friendly, of course, mm-hmm. because Ofcom. Sure. <laughs> um, the, I've kind of researched the equipment that they would use in recording studio and a live gig. And I would love to work with that equipment. I'd love to work with Foo Fighters as a band. And that it's that gig, specifically that festival, at the end of that festival, that performance by the Foo Fighters still to this day captivates me. Specifically when they were performing Best of You. 
um, when Dave kind of hushed everyone down and you've just kind of got the crowd and then he goes into a rather long guitar solo, guitar solo. I would love to have been the engineer behind that mm. because I know what I would have done and it wasn't what the engineer did. I would have boosted some other frequencies in the guitars and made it all about Dave's guitar yeah. tone. But I would love to go back and just sound engineer that gig. Yeah. That, that the end of the night, yeah. the last thing that we all have before we go home yeah. is Dave Grohl and the rest of the Foo Fighters, Taylor Hawkins, um, Nate, the guy who has forgotten his last name, and the other, the other two. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know all their names. Yeah. I know some of their names, but not all of them. Yeah. <laughs> but just to go back and work on that gig. Just to work on that yeah. end of the night event. Yeah. Yeah, mine would be ACDC 2009 live at River Plate. Yeah. Um, not you that I know... drive a hard bargain. Yeah, yeah like, not that I know anything about sound, um, as you guys have realised um, by listening to season one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, I don't know. That, that concert, I think ACDC was the first band that really like moved me. Um, and seeing the amount of people... Like I've only watched, you know, videos of it. Obviously, I wasn't there, but um, seeing people the turnout and seeing how people just immerse themselves and how like engaging ACDC was um, with the audience, um, with the concert goers, were for me out of this world. Fun fact about ACDC, and um, we're not going to go off on the tangent here, I promise. But yeah. um, Angus Young, the guitarist, yep. in the studio back in. Back when they were recording, I think it was when they were recording Back in Black. Yeah. And the rest of that album. Um, the the recording engineer turned around and said, um, because Angus Young was struggling with his tone, because they'd been playing live for so long, yeah. and Angus was, he, Angus just kept saying, it's not quite right. Yeah. So they quite literally carted in his live rig, yeah. wireless pack and all, Yeah. bearing in mind this is... In sub two thousand, yeah. Sub two thousand wireless technology in a studio. Yeah. Carted it all in, recorded it, and the guitar that you hear on Back in Black is essentially his live rig. Wow. That's cool. It's and live and studio rigs weren't that much different back in those days. Like yeah. Eddie Van Halen would turn up with his plexi and his cab. Yeah. You might just have and all of his pedals and all of that kind of thing. Just you might have had like a wireless pack being being kind of switched out. Yeah, that that was the only difference back then. There wasn't much in it. Yeah, but yeah, he recorded an entire album with his live rig. That's cool. Um, so I'm guessing Billy that um, guessing well, I'm sure people were worked out by now that you're very passionate about this. Yeah, I'm also guessing most seventeen year olds don't get this passionate about something so technical or what they'll consider nerdy. No, I, yeah. <laughs> I received quite a bit of pushback on this kind of thing in high school. Right. Um, I used to spend every available moment um, working on a patch list for some thing that I would eventually try to implement somewhere yeah. or I would be working on a logic project um, because I'd got something say like an Amiga mod file and I'd ripped the instruments from the instrument tracks from it and I'd be remixing and remastering it to make yeah. it sound slightly more modern. 
Yeah. And that kind of thing. Yeah. When you say pushback, do you, I'm guessing most of it is just people teasing you. Yeah, there yeah. was that element. There was also the, um, because ever since I joined high school, mm. I switched from Windows to Mac OS. Right. I um, got quite a bit of pushback because I used to carry around my old MacBook Air mm. with me everywhere. You as, did? As in, <laughs> yeah, you remember that. Yep. Where, where I went, it went. And it's still a very similar policy with my MacBook Pro. Yep. But now, because I'm in a college where most that's standard behavior yeah yep. it's standard behavior to have your own equipment and yep. it's quite odd if you don't yeah um for example you walk into a classroom in my college and the first thing you'll see is rows and rows and rows and rows of 2012 or above macbook pros yeah you and then the students who don't have that are either using the iMacs in college or they're using a chromebook yeah but uh, provided by the college yep. there's it's very rare that you don't in- that you encounter someone that doesn't have that. Yeah. So. So, I, I suppose my question is, um, I'm guessing that made you stand out. Oh, yeah. But I'm guessing also, like, you kind of touched on it already, but you are quite, from a very young age, um, yeah. you're very, very different to most people in your, like, sort of peers within the same age. Yeah. Um, how has that sort of effect affected you? Do you, s- do you feel like you see the world differently? Um, because yes. of it yes I do yeah. I kind of linking to that it's probably worth mentioning that I have a form of autism spectrum disorder right um, specifically Asperger's syndrome and I wasn't officially diagnosed until I think it was year seven of high school so right. that was about 2014 yeah 2014 2015 around then um, and that was a lot of people were very shocked by my response because they thought it was going to affect me more than it did. Right. I kind of brushed it off and was like, okay. Because I didn't quite grasp it at the time and a lot of people were thinking that I was going to ha- go into total meltdown over sure. it. And I was like, okay. it's And it's one thing I try to acknowledge is that it's part of who I am. Yeah. Like my um, specialist interests and my quirks and my things like that are baked into my personality. Yeah. But from a young age... Both my mum and my dad um, knew that there was something quite odd about me, sure. and there were there were talks from a young age that I'm only just now finding out about to try and not put me put me through the ringer to yeah. try and figure out like what are you, what are you doing, who yeah. are you, why are you like this? But they kind of accepted it, yeah. and because um, my dad had my dad had a very similar interests. I always, my interests at a young age kind of follow what my dad's were. And my dad's, when I was young, was always building PCs. Right. So that's kind of where my technical knowledge comes from. Yeah. And the progression onto audio just kind of happened yeah. later in life. But, um, yeah. And then when it was after my mum passed away yeah. in 2010, when I was age six, that um, my dad then remarried and my stepmother came in and started kicking up a bunch of us around me being very different right because i was quite hot-headed hot-headed off the back of losing my mum yeah and i still kind of have that essentially a raging fireball still there there's still tension there yeah, yeah i'm still working through my own internal anger yeah but um i'm 
I haven't been officially told this, but I can kind of assume that it's all that my reactions to a lot of things are all kind of interlinked with the fact that I am not neurotypical. Sure. Is the best way to put it. Yeah. Is I don't think the same as other people. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. It's just part of who I am. Yeah. Yeah. I think for as long as I've known you and observing you and the people around you, I think a lot of times people don't understand how you react a certain way and I suppose even myself like we as a youth leader we try to put you in a certain box to get you to react respond a certain way and, and yeah. hey, let's be honest um, uh, you know growing up growing up here sometimes is is warranted I suppose yeah. um, but more so just to like help you one thing sit down a little bit but there are times when I think you are responding to a situation that is completely normal to you, whereas we just don't understand. Yeah. How, how, you know, let's say someone who's completely new to you comes into a room yeah. and you guys are getting to know each other. How would you say would be the best way to describe how you respond to, let's say, a, a potentially emotional triggering incident or situation? I, I have multiple responses. Yeah. So... One of which is to just completely shut down. Right. So, to essentially, I I do the whole thing where I kind of put myself into a metal armored ball. Sure. And anything that tries to hit me, I will attack at. Right. I will become very aggressive. Yeah. I will become very kind of, you need to give me space. Yeah. You need to leave me alone. Yeah. If not, I will bite your fucking head off. Yeah. Um, and then... There's the other one where I kind of I kind of brush it off. Yeah. Almost like nothing ever happened. Yeah. Um one I think it was a friend of ours, John, who we were walking up to get some food one day and I made a joke about my mum not being alive. Right. And everyone just kind of stopped and stared at me. <gasps> I'm like Yeah, they they yeah. they did that. Yeah. And it was just kind of like, what? I'm 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 okay with it. Yeah. Just don't you you can't make the joke yeah. because I will smash sure. you around the head yeah. so fast you can't even yeah. blink before like yeah. blink and you're on the floor. Yeah. But it's okay for me to do that because it's kind of how I process it. Yeah. And then there's the um you kind of tiptoe around it. Sure. Which is not one that comes up often, but I can I can kind of tiptoe around it and kind mm. of I'll just I'll just ignore you said that for a second. Yeah. Like I'm not too bothered by it immediately. Yeah. But yeah, I my first thing tends to be being aggressive to yeah. defend. Yeah. Which isn't entirely healthy and I'm still working through that. But yeah. But so I don't know too much about it. Um but is that like what people normally associate with Asperger's? I'm not sure. Yeah. Um I've one thing that I was told very uh, or one thing I heard very early yeah. on is you should never treat two people with autism as the same. Of course. And yeah. that's one of my big trigger points is when um, someone turns around and says, I know someone else who is autistic and they don't act this way. I'm like, yes, I'm not them. I don't have the same post-traumatic stress triggers that they might. Yeah. Um, so don't 
please don't compare us. I'm trying to do my best. Yeah. Well, I suppose people think, you know, you know, people say the autism spectrum, a lot of people just assume it's a, it's a sort of two-dimensional linear yeah. spectrum. But r- really it is from my understanding of obviously, you know, spending time with you um, and, you know, doing a little bit of, I say a little bit, it's really surface level understanding of it, um, surface level yeah. research of it. It's more like a three-dimensional, four-dimensional, non-linear spectrum. Um I saw this online a while ago yeah. and it's kind of relating to my specialist interest of sound engineering and yeah. that kind of what is kind of what drew me to it. But it's kind of like a graphic equalizer yeah. where you've got the, instead of having like the knobs that you use to control, you've got like the fixed band bars that you use to kind of raise and lower yeah. frequencies that you tend to use on like front of house systems. Or like the sliders. Like, yeah, the slider, yeah. the slider EQs. Yeah. Um, and someone relabeled a graphic equalizer to basically be um levels of certain things right so like um different emotions different reactions to things and i can't name any of the top of off the top of my head but that's but it's kind of what that is like yeah so like one day i could wake up and i could be i could have i could wake up one morning and i could go i want to be really 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 creative today yeah But in being creative, I won't have much consideration for other people. I'll have a relatively high stress level because I'm just wanting to work. Yeah. And in terms of trying to get other things done at the same time, I just won't. So like um, (laughs) if my family's listening, which they probably will eventually. Hi, um, I'm sorry for this, but the common thing that they will do is I'll say, oh, um, can you... I don't know, make sure your washing's in the wash bin. I'm planning on putting a load of washing on today. And I'll go, yeah, definitely. And then I will kind of sink back into my cave um, and sit in front of my Mac, work on something creative. And I'll sit there and it'll feel like 10 minutes. And really it's, I started at like one and it's now nine o'clock at night. And I'm like, where did the time go? Yeah. Um, Or another day I can wake up and I can be in a really low mood. Um, I can be really quite sad, not feeling too great, yeah. not wanting to do anything, just kind of getting the basics. That's usually when I would do that kind of task because at that point I'm just wanting to get the bare essentials done because I don't want to piss anyone else off. Sure. Because I'm not, I'm not having a great day in, within my own head. Yeah. Um, something that's some maybe something traumatic is being dragged up from my past. Yeah. Or, um, I'm thinking over old arguments with friends and how I really miss that friendship and that yeah. kind of thing. I, I don't know, again, not being a scientist or a doctor, but it sounds like what you're going through is a very exaggerated of what, you know, um, what, what was the word you used? Neurotypical. Neurotypical. Yeah, yeah normies like us. <laughs> um, <laughs> what, we, what we would go through, but like a super, because yeah. you know, all of us get lost in in the in the work we want to do yeah sometimes and um forget to do what we're supposed to do and you know i drag out old conversations i've had with people and then think oh i should have said that uh. yeah or you know something from my past comes back and hits me right in the face yeah um but it sounds like it's it's that but like maybe times a hundred for you oh yeah um it's also the same in other areas so as well as being a mentor affected mentally right. if i can talk <laughs> sorry i'm no go on i'm spieling and that tends to be when i stumble over words um 
again, probably another trait, is um, I... As well as it being mental, it's also a physical thing. Right. So if I'm feeling quite high stress, for example, around my GCSEs, um, when I when a major argument happened within a friendship group that mm. I was part of, um, the what kind of went on there was um, I started having physical manis- manifestations. Right. For example, my arms and my legs would lock up and become extremely painful. Right. So, um, I would often be seen just sitting there with my, like my arms shaking because I'm exerting a lot of pressure on them because my muscles are completely locked and tense. Okay. Um, which would put me in a lot of pain very, very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, sometimes that would last for a couple hours. Sometimes it would only last a bit. Um, there were other times where I would just completely shut down and become nonverbal, yeah. which, um, and that's tends to be when I do the whole, you kind of revert to not animalistic, but childish instincts Okay. of like, um, short, sharp sentences. Yeah. Um, shake for yes. Yeah. Um, kind of thing where you like shake your head for no up and down for yes. Yeah. You don't want to talk. You're kind of sitting there in a ball with your knees up to your chest, yeah. clutching one of your comfort objects, which one of which is for me is my backpack. Yeah. Um, which is why I've got two of those. <laughs> yeah, I. Yeah, I definitely. <laughs> on a sl- on a side note, um, there's okay. So Billy talked about his MacBook never leaving his arms. Ooh. The other thing that you know, if you see that, you know it's Billy. It's his backpack. It's a special, um, well, I don't know if it's special, but it's it's one made by Razer, the gaming peripherals um, company. The model is the Razer Tactical Pro V1, and they recently took them out of circulation, but there was a couple still left in a warehouse in America. So, and one of them was being sold through Amazon, so I had a, a brand new one imported because yeah. this one's getting a bit old. Just to keep it on ice to, when when the day comes to bring yeah. it out. Yeah. Like the thing is, um, yeah, it's the only one I've ever seen in Norwich. I've seen um, another one. Well, I've never. So if you see that bag, it's probably Billy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but now we know why he cares. He cares so much about it. Don't be afraid to come up and say hi. Yeah. Um. But now we know why it's something that's you, you cling on to it. Yeah. And you don't let it out of your sight it's, because yeah, it's a huge comfort item for me. Yeah. It's it's one of those things that I feel. It's like leaving your house without wearing underpants. Yep. It's something that you would that people would scoff at. Yeah. If I leave my house without my backpack, then I'm then there's something clearly wrong with me and you need to yeah. ask me if I'm okay. Yeah. Because I don't leave the house. It without feels like it. it's part of you. Yeah. It's it's something which I instinctively go to pick up if I'm leaving the house. Mm-hmm. Is for example in the pandemic, my if I'm leaving the house for college, my checklist is MacBook, iPad, chargers, bag. Yeah. In in that order. And a mask, guys, mask up. And then a mask. Yeah. Yeah. Always, you should wear a mask. Yeah. I'm technically mask exempt because I'm autistic. Yeah. But even I wear a mask. Yeah. Mask up. Don't be an idiot. Yep. Even Trump's got COVID now. Well, we don't know. <laughs> he might be just saying it anyway. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That's very interesting. I think a lot of people don't know because like I, I think a lot of people just treat stuff as meh. 
So like when when that's it, I'm working on my laptop and someone has to say, hey, look, can I borrow your laptop for a second? For me, it's like, oh yeah, sure, whatever, let me save my work. But for you, it's no. like removing your left eyeball. No, um, it's aw- my Mac. Away from you, yeah. It's my Mac, you, you, you don't touch my Mac. Yeah. You, you only touch my Mac if I give you permission. And in the entire time that I've had um, any kind of Mac, there has only been three people yeah. I have trusted enough to go, here is my password to my Mac. Yeah. Um, you can have, within reason, free reign. Yeah. And th- all three of those people I no longer speak to. Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So French- if you want to stay in, you want to stay in um, Betty's good site, don't borrow his Mac. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's more of a trying to keep friendships as some with sure. people who are neurotypical, who don't quite understand the way your head works. Yeah if you get into a super emotional one or yeah. become overly aggressive because something's caused you to be, yeah, um, it can cause major, major, major problems in friendships if yeah. people don't understand well, that. It, well, again, like even just with, what was the word again? Neurotypical people. We, yeah. even us struggle with communicating with different people, right? That's why, and then you think about the levels that you're on, that mm-hmm. makes it extra hard. For like, one of the things that we, you know, um, at church we talk a lot about, especially like relationship, not just with like, you know, romantic relationships, but with yeah. normal human beings, we talk about this thing called love languages. I'm sure, I don't know if you've heard about it, but um, yeah. it's about how you um, you perceive or give out affection yeah. um, or appreciation. Um, and, and so, like, me and you or me and my other friends, they, we could have completely different understanding or different ways of showing and giving affection. Yeah. And if you're on this super complicated four-dimensional spectrum... Yeah. We can't the best even... Of times. Yeah. And we wouldn't even be able to comprehend that spectrum. Yeah. Something that's normal to us, that is just, like, a meh thing, might not be to you. Yeah. Um... So, I kind of, I'm trying to think of the best way to word this. In terms of being friends with me and knowing me, if I trust you enough to basically, if I trust you enough to scream in your face and then give you a hug afterwards, or I guess in this time of COVID, an elbow. Elbow bump. An elbow bump. Yeah. And for us to be okay afterwards, mostly. Yeah then thank you and you're the kind of person that I need. Yeah. Because there are some... I think it was... um, In church, I caused a power outage due to my MacBook Pro... Or my MacBook Air's charger spontaneously combusting in the middle of a service. Wow. It was you. Yeah, that was me. (laughs) And I went up to Scott afterwards and I kind of put... I kind of buried my head into his left arm. Mm. Um, I kind of hit it a few times. Sorry, Scott. I We've spoken about this in the past, but I'm yeah. still sorry and I still feel like a dick. Yeah. Um, and then he was like, it's okay. And I just remember at that point, I was just, I, I wasn't having a good time before. Yeah. And that just made the whole world a difference that Scott knew me enough to turn around yeah. and say, it's okay. Yeah. I know 
kind of I don't exactly know what you're going through but I know you're under a lot of stress and pressure yeah and I appreciate that and it's not a good thing to do yeah and sometimes I do need to be reminded about social cues and yeah. when I'm being overly me yeah um because I don't pick up on that kind of thing but yeah yeah that that kind of thing is just don't be afraid to remind me yeah if I am overstepping something right because I probably haven't realized it yeah. and I'd rather you tell me and I be embarrassed for yeah. 10 seconds than I overstep and really hurt someone yeah well I suppose you know best of time and best of circumstances you know you need to tell people how you think yeah so let alone speaking with your you know someone in your situation probably we probably have to make it even more obvious right for you to yeah. like see what's going on or like you know you have to explicitly tell us yeah. because you probably don't like physically the physical cues you probably have it differently to us i don't i don't read body language um right very well yeah. i don't read um vocal language very well right like um, tonal yeah right i struggle with that sometimes um for example i can be talking even with my family it's um it's still a struggle within my family because someone like my dad who kind of knows me well enough to know when I'm, when, whether I mean something or not. Right. Um, even, even he can still time at times get confused, yeah. but sometimes I can turn around and I can say something that I don't perceive as aggressive Sure. or I don't perceive as being a problem. Yeah. Um, for example, I can yell something through or I can yell something that is like, um, just like a normal house. I'm not going. I can't think of an example off the top of my head, um, so I can't really give one. But I can yell something through that to me seems totally fine. But because I'm not focusing on the tone of voice, yeah. Because it's not, it's not a thing that I naturally think about when in com when in communicate verbal communication with people. Okay. I can then come across across as aggressive or yeah. um, not as I exactly mean it to be. Yeah. Um which can cause a problem with some people and I've definitely felt pushback from that before. Sure. So with your understanding of who you are, um, how would you say, what advice would you give someone to help you manage that? You talked a little bit about, you know, being open about communication. To manage, my, to manage me? To help you manage, you know, those crazy emotional moments. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm usually quite direct about what I want. Yeah. Um, sometimes I can be quite cryptic. Um, so the way that, a way that I used to define the way that I used to think when I was at a real low point was there are different sections of me. Mm -hmm. So you've got, um, so I am the alpha. Right. I, alpha is everything. Yeah. If that makes sense. Sure. And then you've got the different, fr and then you've essentially got fragments of alpha. Um, yeah. So, and then, so like you've got epsilon, who right. is like memory. Right. And I don't, the way that I made the, or kind of helped define me was an old web series I used to enjoy okay. um, called Red versus Blue. So is this, is this your definition? It's, it's taking their concept of, of fragmentation of right. an alpha Right. But I'm applying my own labels to each section. Okay. Um, essentially, what happened there was they had a 
an artificial intelligence which they fragmented to create different sub AI. Right. And each one had a piece of alpha. Okay. So, like, if you managed to get all of those artificial intelligence fragments back together, they would create another alpha. Right. It, yeah, it's complicated. Yeah. Um, but the way that I like to think of it is, if I can remember it, because it's been so long since I had to use this, um, epsilon was memory, um, gamma was creativity, um, beta was um, love and affection, which at the time was directed at someone who I lo- no longer care about. Um, right. Yeah, that's a fun story for later, if at all. Um, and yeah, it's been a while. Theta was everything, basically who I was sub six years old, which is when a major turning point with me losing my mum happened and I matured and my personality changed very, 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 very quickly. Um which it's still, it kind of happened very quickly and it's now kind of stuck at a point where it doesn't seem to progress. Right. Um, but like I will, re- and then there's Omega and Omega is rage and anger and everything like that. Yeah. And if, if you've seen the Omega side, it tends to be, it tends to rival Alpha. Mm-hmm. It's such a big thing that it rivals me as a whole. Right. And I'm constantly having to fight with that part of me to not come out. Okay. And that, sorry, that sometimes reflects into me. And sometimes that reflects into my actions. And when I'm not thinking, I can blow. And right. if I trust you enough to, if I trust you enough to show you the different sections of my personality right um and then you happen to stumble across this omega side yeah if at that point i start becoming overly aggressive you need to not back off right but if you aren't thick-skinned enough to grit to grit your teeth and take it yeah um you need to go right you need to leave me alone right not yeah. my Knock the glass of water. Um, you need to leave me alone until I calm down enough right. to talk to you, at which point I will apologize profusely. Okay. I'm not nice yeah. when I'm like that. I tend to become very sarcastic and right. very, I don't care about you. You're nothing but a puppet. Right. Kind of, that's that's kind of the mentality of it. It's, yeah. it's, it's like, you don't need anyone to succeed. Mm-hmm. You don't need anyone in your life. You, you're the only person that you need ever. Yeah. So why do you need everyone else? Yeah. You don't. So let's get rid of them. Yeah. And if I've ever done that to you and I know I have lost people because of it, um, I'm usually very apologetic afterwards. Okay. And I have been through periods where I've been, where that part of me has become very quite over consuming and, there are still some times of my life. I think there's like a month of my life that I cannot remember because I was so angry and so malicious during that time because it just wasn't a good month for me. Yeah. But yeah, that's still something that I'm trying to work through. But if I trust you enough to show you that and if you 
kind of develop strategies around the mm. way that I can act. And if you're not, you don't necessarily have to deal with it because you yeah. shouldn't have to yeah. at all. It's a horrible thing to have to deal with from having talked to people who have. If I trust you enough, though, to understand me during that time and yeah. go through it, then thank you. Yeah. And you're someone very important to me. Yeah. And I don't want to lose you. Well, it sounds like, Billy, um, it's learning your rhythms, being patient enough to learn your rhythms because yeah. it might take a little bit longer than, than you know, a, a yeah. normal person, um, whatever that means. But also learn to give you space and learn n- oh, when yeah, to definitely. come close. And if I'm going to be honest, like that just sounds like a normal thing to do with people in your life anyway. So imagine that times a thousand. Yeah, that but <laughs> times a thousand. But it, it, you know, in this, you know, for you, Billy, you know, I don't want to put a label or a typeset. I've for heard them all. Go ahead. Yeah. No, as in, like, I don't want to say this applies to everyone else yeah. who's who's yeah. like who have that medical label on on them. But you know, at least in this instance, it's just you know have your expectations, but time set by a hundred. Yeah. When it comes to like you know being mates with you. Um. I'm I'm very much going to change names here because sure people yeah. But there's a friend of mine. Let's call her Jane. Sure. Um, Jane was friends with me for most of my high school life mm. um and that was and jane was someone who i cared about yeah a lot um a lot <laughs> um so i think you cared you can, about jane yes y- you can probably see where i'm going with sure. that. and um they jane had to deal with a lot from me yeah through that because um let's just say we met at one of the worst points of my life um, when I was um, massive trigger warning here. I was planning to take my own life. Right. And this person, probably why I became so attached to them, kind of helped pull me out of a really dark time yeah. and helped keep me out of it for a while. Mm-hmm. But what I didn't see happening behind the scenes was that this person was being slowly plunged into their own dark time. Right. And I still, to this day, don't know whether that was my fault or not. Right. And I hope to God it wasn't. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And we kind of both were go working through our own darkness together. Sure. And I put a lot on Jane. Mm. and I put her under a lot of pressure. Yeah. And a lot of stuff happened towards the end of our friendship, and there were a lot of arguments. There were a lot of me getting very emotionally insensitive. Right. As in, not to the point where I was actively not caring. Mm. Well, I was actively not caring, but like I wasn't actively pushing to not care i wasn't actively caring either i was kind of like in a state of if it happens it happens i'm not if i'm going to feel any emotional impact from what's about to happen i'm not going to feel it within the next month yeah because at this point i'm very very emotionally numb yeah and i'm not going to feel anything yeah 
and that's what happened towards the end of our friendship and that's when arguments started happening and stuff started falling apart yeah and i haven't spoken to that person properly since july 2019 yeah when there was one long final argument and we both and jane pretty much turned around and said that they hated me right and that's that was the end of that and i still kind of care about this person now i still kind of wonder how they're doing i hope they're doing okay um they might end up hearing this and they might know exactly who this that they are sure if you're hearing this hi how are you doing yeah (laughs) it's it's pretty much all i have to say to you at this point yeah um but yeah 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 just case study of a friendship with an autistic person (laughs) yeah i suppose if you know uh, i just putting my own experience in here and you know uh with what i know of you and you know in for people in general if you're you're finding yourself in a jane-like situation it's it's tough because it's tough for you so i can't imagine what it's like being a jane-like person to you but it's 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 important i think even for again like we were talking about like for when you you have that patience with normal people yeah you're gonna have that patience times a hundred and you know it sounds like you cling on to a lot of these these highlights and lowlights yeah quite strongly and if you're about you when you realize you're gonna you're about to become a jane to billy you probably need to realize sort of the adventure that you're about to embark on yeah and and that's not you oh, know yeah that's not a that's not a discount to who you are billy and that's not a discount to to whatever jane is whoever jane whoever the next jane is but it's it's a different journey that we need to be able to handle um hopefully there isn't another jane i don't think i could deal with that <laughs> well like you know when when it comes to a, an intense friendship relationship whatever that looks like you know it's a there's a different expectation I suppose we need to have w- when it comes to being, you know, busy mates with Billy than than with, you know, yeah. good old John down the road or, you, you know, and I think we need to understand that as well. Um, that it's a different kind of relationship, but it doesn't take any shine off it being different. Yeah, um, I hope there isn't another Jane situation because I couldn't handle it again. Well, it's not, uh, I wasn't so much yeah. saying about you know, having exactly the same Jane, but it, when it comes to the proximity yeah. of trust and relationship. The proximity of trust and relationship um, that kind of at the peak of my relationship with Jane was not, was very much past a friendship point. Um, but there are people who I'm friends with now who will never be that put it this way. Um, Jane was in the position of a significant other toward uh, pretty much at the peak of the relationship. Um, However, being friends with me isn't so intense because especially not now because I've learned to internalize a lot of that and vent it in other places. And, use it to fuel my creative passion, yeah. which is always interesting to talk to people about because it's people wonder how anger can influence a sound engineer. Yeah. And it can be anything from 
the most sweet sounding reverb on a vocal. Yeah. Essentially, it presents itself in an opposite way to wh what you're feeling. Yeah. Um, so if you're angry, sometimes sound engineers can use that to create um, something like a um, like really delicate, like a delicate piano part with like a really long decay, beautiful flowing reverb is tends to be the kind of thing that I'd work on when I'm angry. If I'm feeling kind of delicate or something, I'm going to want to mix a metal track. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be straight up honest. If I'm feeling quite internalized and into myself, I'm going to want to sit down and mix something more akin to Lordy or Metallica. Sure. Like hard rock heavy metal. Yeah. Um I don't know why I gravitate towards that when I'm feeling quite fragile but yeah. eh, it works <laughs> i think we all do billy um, and like we're yeah. like we're saying like you just do it times 100 but um being a french being in a in a friendship with me isn't i i hope it isn't as intense yeah um although if we have similar creative Mate, like passions i've, I've <laughs> played i've played games with you like and sports with you you take it all the way yeah it's, I'm very competitive. Yeah, and and you add that level of um, focus slash anger into the games you play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So again, there's it's nothing wrong with it because that's how you deal with it. I broke someone's finger while playing dodgeball. Wait, was it dodgeball? I can't remember. You you know who I'm talking about? Yes. I yeah yeah. No, we were playing piggy in the middle in um what is now the kitchen in this, in this building. Yeah. Um, but used to be called Red Space. And um, yeah, I went to go get the ball, accidentally knocked someone and kind of fell into them yeah. and broke their finger. <laughs> it just happens. Yeah. It happens. Um, <laughs> but I'm still very, 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 very wary of that. <laughs> hey, it means you're having fun. Yeah. Um, I think that's a good place for us to stop for this episode. Let's go for it. It's it's. I feel like you know I've learned a lot about how to be a friend, but also hopefully this helps someone else to learn how to be a friend and like just understanding that you know autism and Asperger's is not a linear thing. It's not a one zero to ten how far deep you are, but it's more like a yeah. How do you even describe a four D graph with words? It's. I wouldn't quite say four D. I would yeah. say that. There isn't, you can't put a number to it. Yeah. Um, because going back to my analogy of a graphic equalizer. Yeah. Some days you'll only have seven bands to deal with. Yeah. Um, so like you'll only uh, have. Yeah. But then. That's a good way of explaining it. But then on another day, you might have a rack full of graphic EQs, each with different parameters. Yeah. Um, so you could go from being, oh yeah. So like you've got, how are you feeling this day? Happy, yeah. sad, emotion, like have the basic emotions but then you could have and then another day you could have something all the way down to um so what are you planning to eat for breakfast at twelve forty one p.m today hey nothing and wrong with that but like that kind of but and who eat who eats breakfast at twelve forty one p.m why not um, it becomes brunch at that point officially yeah, but breakfast think. food is great yeah. for any time i eat cereal i've eating cereal as like a midnight snack it's fine um but it can come down to very much a kind of there isn't a set defined 
line to it. Yeah. The, there is, but the line doesn't end. Yeah. Is it? It might end. It might stop at one point one day. Yeah. But the next, it's like a train with multiple stations. But depending on how you on what exactly is going on that day, you, it might stop at twelve stations or it might stop at twelve thousand. Yeah. Might stop at twelve million. Who yeah. knows? Yeah. Just that kind of progression. Yeah. It and you never expect it, and you can go to sleep, have a good night's sleep, um, wake up, like have a really good day beforehand. You could go to sleep, wake up the next morning, and like, well, I'm depressed today. Yeah. How can I be so much of a mope that I annoy everyone around me, and then just kind of become the weird, um, yeah, the worm creature that Jerry turns into from Rick and Morty. Right. If you, but they did the marriage counselling, yeah. and they had like the how each one is perceived, and yeah. one of them becomes like a worm creature. Fair enough. How can I become? How can I become that worm today? <laughs> That reminds me a little bit of Ditto from Pokemon. I need to go through and play Pokemon. You should. It's a great game. I. It's a great series of games, franchise of games. I, I started playing um, Pokemon Gen One, specifically um, Pocket Monsters Green right. or Midori, because I decided to play the Japanese version yep. because of Lavender Town. It's got like a weird. The original. For those that don't know, here's another fun fact. The original version of um, Pokemon released in Japan, Pokemon Green, had a weird um, binaural frequency thing going on, and it it was it affected you in a negative physical way. Um, for example, it's um, there was a urban lith like an urban lith, urban legend or myth going around that it drove kids um basically to jump off bridges in japan wow um there's been no evidence of that yeah. and it has been thoroughly de- like denied yeah. by nintendo and yeah. game freak and the pokemon company but listening to it it does induce headaches and vomiting and nausea and paranoia and fear and that's just because of the way that it is in terms of its frequency generation yeah because Game Boys are weird. And that, in a nutshell, I think, really explains your interest and passion into sounds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, Billy, if people want to find out more about what you're doing, how can they do that? Um, you can visit my... Um, the Tumblr blog, which I update once in a blue moon, which is um, all lowercase, no hyphens, dat, D-A-T, real media, at dot, or datrealmedia.tumblr.com. Yeah. Um, you can visit my, in massive air quotes, commercial Instagram, um, of that underscore real underscore media. Um, you can contact through me through Facebook. You've already had my name at the beginning of the podcast. Don't be afraid to say hi unless you're weirdo. (laughs) Yeah. If you're weirdo, don't do that. It's illegal. Yes. And Anyone that does do that and is a weirdo will be reported to the local police authorities as responsibly as I can. And on that note, (laughs) thank you for coming along, Billy. It's been great being here, Tim. Thank you for having me. We'll see you guys in the next episode. Thank you for tuning into this episode of The Art of Something. We hope you've enjoyed this episode as much as I've enjoyed recording it. Make sure you follow our Instagram page at theartof__something.com 
and if click subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And why not leave a comment while you're at it? Hey, we'll see you in the next one. Thank you.